to, then you have to wait for the right time. It is the right time. I don't know who told you that we have to go through the motions before we can get there, but I'm here to tell you that chains can fall right now. Mountains can move right now. Somebody lift your voice, open your mouth, and give God a shout of praise. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Clap your hands if you believe it's already done. Come on, clap your hands like you got some faith. Like you believe it's already been done. Like you believe the report came back. Like you believe the mountains moved. Like you believe the chains are broken. Somebody clap your hands. Woo, feels good in the house of the Lord. I said it feels good in the house of the Lord. You know what this is right here? This isn't going through the motions. This is setting the tone for the word of God to be. People come and they watch online. And they come into service and they say, all y'all do is shout. All Bishop ever does when he grabs the mic is he starts shouting. You know what he's doing? He's trying to mix somebody up. He's trying to stir somebody in the spirit. He's trying to make sure that you're ready to receive the word. Thankful to be in God's house this morning. We're going to go ahead and stand in this house. We're going to jump right into the word of the Lord. Looking forward to the rest of this day, what God's going to do. It's just getting started, baby. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we're just getting started. We're just getting warmed up around here. We're going to be reading this morning from the book of Mark, chapter number 10. And while you're turning there, I want to say what a privilege and an honor it is to stand behind this desk this morning. I don't take it lightly. I'm honored. I'm truly honored. How many of you come to hear from God this morning? How many of us really came to leave change this morning? God, more than anything, I don't want to come into this house and leave the same exact way that I came in. God, I want to leave changed. I want to leave different. That's what preaching does. It changes. That's what preaching is supposed to do. When you grab it and you mix it with faith, it's supposed to change you so that you leave here never the same. You leave here transformed. Book of Mark chapter number 10, beginning reading at verse number 46. The Bible says, And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, somebody say, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David. Have 
mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith. Everyone say, thy faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. If we can, let's put our Bibles down and let's pray. And let's ask God to touch us, to, to speak to us. Come on, somebody, open up your mouth and really pray. Jesus, we need you in this house. God, we need you like never before. God, let us leave changed. Let us leave renewed. Come on, somebody, lift up your voice. Come on, where are the saints at? The saints of God that can open up your mouth and pray. Come on, somebody, lift up your voice. Jesus, we need you more than we did the day before. God, we need change more than we did last week or last month or last year. We need you now, God. We need you to move now, today. Today is the day of salvation, Jesus. I can't wait. I can't wait another day. I can't wait another hour. I can't wait another minute. But God, we need you to move right now. God, take these lips of clay. Take this mind. God, use it for your glory. Anointed Jesus. Anoint our ears that we may hear and receive and do your word. Everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. My title this morning is The Desperate Cry of the Broken. The Desperate Cry of the Broken. The book of Mark is known commonly as the book of immediacy. When you begin to read through the book of Mark, it's a very short book, only 16 chapters. You really... You, you quickly get the understanding that when Mark is describing these miracles and the specific miracles he chose to describe, there's always a commonality with them, and that is that they happen immediately. The word immediately is, is used more in the book of Mark than it is in any of the other Gospels. As we see, Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and Andrew, and he calls for them to follow him, and the Bible says that straightway, immediately, they forsook their nets and they followed him. And the same goes with James and John. We also see in Mark that a leper comes to Jesus and he asks him to be healed. The Bible says that as soon as the leper spoke it, spoke what he needed, that the leprosy departed from his body immediately. There was also the time when Jesus came upon the man that was sick of the palsy and Jesus said to him, arise, take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And the Bible says that immediately he took up his bed and he went on. There are plenty of examples of Jesus working and healing and things happening immediately in the book of Mark. Can I tell somebody today that God is in the business of immediate miracles? We sing about it. When you call the name of Jesus, something begins to happen. 
There is no name like the name of Jesus. When you need a healer, you can call Jesus. When you need a provider, you can call Jesus. When you need a way maker, you can call Jesus. You see, that's one of the things I love about our God is that he doesn't need a litany of gods to take care of his menial tasks. God said, I'll do it all by myself. And I can do it whenever I please. He's in the business of immediate miracles. However... Similar to many of the other miracles that Jesus performed, there was always a prerequisite of faith and action. The demoniac of the Gadarenes had to throw himself before Jesus before anything could even happen. The woman with the issue of blood had to press her way through the crowd in order to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Suffice it to say this morning that there was always a desperate cry or a desperate act that precedes a healing or precedes a miracle or precedes a way being made, a provision of some sort. We see there is no difference in Bartimaeus. Verse 46 says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now you'll have to forgive me. I'm a little bit different than most preachers. Well, maybe not most preachers, but I feel like I'm a little weird sometimes. I like to take my time and, 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 and paint a vivid picture. So if I don't, come up to me afterwards and tell me you didn't do that. Don't do that, please. The Bible says he was begging on the side of the road. Life had reduced him to the state of a beggar, the lowest in society. We have no idea what Bartimaeus was before. If we look at another account, the Bible says that there was two men there. We don't see what their life was previously, but we, what we do see is that in this state, they're a beggar. They're the lowest of the low. There are many things in life that you simply cannot avoid. <clears throat> Granted, there are some things in life that we do to ourselves. And we have to suffer the consequences, lay in the bed that we made. But there are many things in life that life just simply has its way. You're dealt cards that you don't want and you can't put them back into the deck. You simply must play with the cards that you've been given. That's just how life works sometimes. Too often we want to blame God or blame the devil and say that everything's going awry because of them or because of someone else. Sometimes it's just the way that God has it set up in life. Sometimes he has to bring you to your knees before you can even make a move to come to him. We don't think about that and we don't like that sometimes because we look at God as this giant teddy bear that loves everyone and has no problems and, and, is, and is merciful and graceful. And he is all of those things, but he's also a God of judgment. And he's also a God that said, I will chastise those who I love. He don't chastise you. He don't love you. We get it twisted in society. My mom will be the first person to tell you, I love you, mom. She'll be the first person to tell you, that baby needs a whoop. Ain't nothing wrong with a child. They just need a good spanking. <laughs> I'm still having flashbacks. <laughs> to this day, I wake up in cold sweats. God have mercy. But there are some things that you just cannot avoid. Life put a label on Bartimaeus that he could not take off. Life labeled him blind. They didn't call him Bartimaeus. They called him blind Bartimaeus. 
Why is it that when we have issues in our lives, we're always relegated to our issues and not who we are? That's fallen nature. That's humanity. We look at the worst and we say, that's who you are. Nothing more. Jacob's mother named him the deceiver, the supplanter, the heel grabber. But God looked at him and said, no, sir. No, sir. Your name is Israel. For as a prince with God, thou hast power with both God and with man. I love it because God doesn't see us and doesn't, doesn't come to us and, and, and think that we need to remain in that state. God sees us in our full potential. God sees us and says, no, 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 you're not, you're not the deceiver. You're not the liar. You're not the cheater. You're, you're the prince. You're the, you're, the, you're the princess of God. You, you're my son. You're my daughter. But the world may look at you and recognize you and say, hey, that's, that's that one guy from back in the day that used to, used to cheat everybody. Or that's that one, one girl back in the day that used to, used to do all this stuff. And they used to go to this place. And, and they used to be that type of drug dealer. And they used to do these type of drugs and go to this type of party. But God said, no, 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 no. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm so thankful that God doesn't look at us the same way that the world looks at us. That he doesn't put the same labels that the world puts on us. And you know what's so hard about that too is that it was his mother that named him. It wasn't somebody else. Sometimes in life it's the people that are closest to you that are the ones that will put you in a box and say you'll never be anything more than that. The question is though, Bartimaeus... What will your response be to when Jesus walks by and not to what the crowd says? You see, when he hears that it was Jesus of Nazareth coming by, at this point in the game, it was being spread abroad, even though Jesus kept telling people, don't tell anybody what I said, what I did. He was trying to hide. He was trying to be the suffering servant. and Everybody was like, I just can't, I can't be quiet. I love somebody that just can't be quiet about the things that God has done for him. I love it when people just come up and they say, can I just tell you my testimony? I, I, I just got to tell somebody about what God did for me. I just got to tell you about how God blessed me and how he made a way when there was no way and, and how he opened doors when there was. Can I just take a moment and tell you how good my God is? The Bible says that he began to cry out. And say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You see, what's so interesting about this is that the, the people that were with him, they were all followers, literal followers of Christ. They were following Jesus wherever he went. The Bible says he was talking to his disciples, and then there came a multitude, and they followed him. These were followers. They, and, and you know what's interesting is that they were lifting up the name of Jesus. They were telling people, hey, hey, Jesus is coming through. Word spreads really quick. Side note. If you don't want anything said... Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. What's so funny is that deep down they want everybody to know. Don't tell anybody. Go tell Jacob's mother. These were the ones that were followers of Jesus. They were lifting up his name. And the Bible says that if you lift up the name of Jesus, that he'll draw all men unto him. It's interesting that when they began to lift him up and to declare that Jesus was coming through, that men were being drawn to him. 
But what ends up happening wasn't the type of people that they wanted to see walk through the doors. They didn't want blind people to walk through the doors. They want to see the, the Pharisees saved with the, the guys with the money and the influence and, and the, the, the head honchos of the business and the, the, the top dogs. They didn't want to see the blind people coming through, the beggars coming through. They said, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. My mistake. We didn't mean you. We didn't mean you. But what they didn't realize is that Bartimaeus... Bartimaeus had just had an opportunity pass right in front of him. It's as if hope finally had lighted his dark doorstep. It's as if finally, out of all of these years that he was hopeless and, and, and cast out and by the highway side, that finally hope was walking through again. And it was as if his blinded eyes, suddenly there was light behind them. And there was light at the end of the tunnel for Bartimaeus. And so... He cried out the more. This was his opportunity for change. They charged him and said, hold your peace. But he cried out even more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. These should have been the ones to lift him up. These should have been the people that said, hey, this guy needs Jesus. Hey, can you, make your, can you, can you clear out a little bit so we can get this guy to get a healing? Hey, can, hey would, you mind, would you mind stepping aside really quick? This guy over here needs a touch from God. But instead they looked at him and they said, hey, 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 keep quiet. Keep quiet. How many times do people walk through our back doors and I look at them and I say, there's just no hope for them. And they begin to cry out and, and, and we ignore them. Or because they're so desperate and they act out in a way that's, that's, that's unpleasing or unseeming to us. that we, we get offended by it and we, and we begin to, you know, kind of tighten up and say, this is, that's not how you should act in church or... That's not how you should dress in church or how you should look in church. Look, look, if our church doesn't smell like weed or smoke every once in a while, I think we're doing something wrong. And I don't, I'm not offending anybody because we love everybody the way that you come in through these doors. But I'm telling you, church, if we ever get to a place where we forget what God has done for us. If we ever get to a place where we forget the smell of smoke that used to be on our clothes and, and, the, and the late nights that we used to be up with a hangover and wake up in the morning throwing up. And if we forget the nights that we were lonely and tears streaming down our face and was the only way we could go to bed. If we ever forget that, then we're doing something wrong. The whole hath no need of a physician. But what's crazy is that a lot of times when you get healed, when you get the marriage put back together, when you get the kids back, when you get the healing, when you get the provision, we forget what it feels like to be in that state. And when someone else walks through the door, we look at him and say, there's no hope. What about you when you walk through the door? What about me when I was down and out and in my lowest estate? There was hope for me, so there's hope for somebody else. God, may we never forget where you brought us from. May we never forget the ways that you made. May we never forget the provision, the grace, and the mercy that you showed us. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not the condemning voice of Satan. 
We weren't called to put people in their places and to put limits on what God can do in certain situations in certain people's lives and, 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 and put the, the measuring stick up against them and say, yeah, you don't quite meet up. Why don't you go and live your life a little bit and come back when you got your ducks in a row? That's not my place. That's not my place. God forbid I ever get so high and mighty and so spiritual that I forget what it feels like to be broken. That I forget what it feels like to be cast out by society. That I forget what it feels like to be lonely. That I forget what it feels like to be depressed. God forbid you don't, you don't bless me so much that I forget what it means to be poor. What it means to be a beggar. Could you imagine the result? If Bartimaeus heeded the words of the crowd, if he heeded the words of, people, of, of the followers of Christ. I, I want to be very careful when I say this because I'm, I'm not the pastor and I am in no, main, in no means anyone's authority. But, and you can correct me and stop me if I'm wrong, First Lady. But we've got to be careful about how we treat babes in Christ. I'm sorry, guests and visitors. I will get back to the message in a moment. But we've got to be careful. God forbid. I've had times. Trust me. Learn from my mistakes. Learn from someone else's mistakes. When you handle a baby, they make a mess. When you handle a baby, they will cry. And you won't know what they need. They're crying out for a reason. How dare we sit there and tell the baby to shut up. How dare we sit there and yell at the baby and, and spank the baby when they have no idea what is even going on. They can't speak. They don't understand the lingo. They don't understand church culture. So when someone walks through the door and they've been living for God for two months and they haven't got their dress right and they haven't got their speech right and they haven't got their conduct right, how can I look at them and say, what's taking so long? How dare I look at them and say, if you haven't made it yet, then you're not going to make it. God forbid. God forbid I have such a burden for this. We've got to be careful about how we treat babies. There's a revival that's been prophesied. The first step is a baby. We give them the milk of the word, but what happens when we try to shove meat down it? What happens when we look at them and say, you're just taking too long. I don't have any patience. I guess I'm, I'm just, I just need to move on to somebody else who's ready for the word. You know how many times people come through this door and aren't ready for a Bible study for a year, two years? We just let them cast off to the side. There was a young man in here for over a year and a half. Never once reached out to him for a Bible study. Not one time. He came in here every service. That's real. How many people walk through this door, these doors that we take one glance at, introduce ourselves one time, and forget about them? God, forgive me, God. How many times do people walk through those doors and we look at them and say, there's just no hope. And we move on to the next one. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. People got to work it out for themselves. What happened to us making the effort? 
What happened to me? I'm not even going to say us. I'm going to say me. What happened to me making the effort, calling them, reaching out to them and saying, hey, where were you? Hey, you want to go grab coffee? You want to meet up? You want, you want to come and hang out with us? Can we just lift our hands? Can we just pray for just a moment? Come on, somebody. Can you just pray for just a moment? We're gonna get back to the we're gonna get back to the message, but I feel like God is trying to reach for somebody right now. God have mercy. Lord have mercy. We'll say, Bartimaeus, that it still falls to you. It still falls to you to make a move. Yes, there are people that make mistakes. There are people that don't say the things that they should correctly. There are people that make that, that mishandle babies. But at the end of the day, Bartimaeus, you've got to work out your own salvation. And Jesus did pass through, so what is your response? What will your response be when Jesus comes and he lightens your doorway with hope? Are you going to listen to the clamoring voices of the crowd and the people that say you're not good enough and the labels that people have put on you and, and the past mistakes and the failures? Are you going to listen to those or are you going to rise up above those? And you know what? There is no excuse. There was absolutely no excuse. The demoniac had, some, some say 12,000 devils. I don't know where they get that number for, from, but say two to 12,000, even if he had one devil. The point is, is that he was riddled with devils. And what did he do? At the end of it all, he still made his way to the feet of Jesus and threw himself down. And, and while in and out of talk, the devil's talking and him talking, he still laid it down at his feet and said, God, I want change. Thousands of devils talking in his ear, telling him, you're not good enough. You'll never make it. You're, you're a devil yourself. And yet he still made the effort. He still made his way to the feet of Jesus. The Bible says Jesus, after hearing Bartimaeus' second cry, the cry that was louder than the crowd. The cry, there was something about a cry that pierces through the noise and pierces through the cacophony. Because you know what? Jesus knows everything going on around him. There was people touching him every direction. The Bible still says that when the woman touched his hem, that he stopped. And he said, whoa, whoa, who touched me? The same principle applies. So there's people yelling and screaming and talking and, and praising and worshiping. And somebody cries out and Jesus says, whoa. Hold up. Hold up. I know you said you'd need me right now, but there's somebody that's really desperate. Because sometimes we come into, into church and we say, God, I need a healing. And, and God, would you, would you provide? And don't get me wrong. Sometimes the driest prayers are the ones that God uses. But there's something about a cry of someone that is broken and someone that is desperate and in need that stops Jesus in his tracks and says, hold up. Somebody's calling me. Somebody needs me. I know you need me, but I've, I've got to reach them first. The Bible says, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man. 
still labeling him. And they said unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, for he calleth thee. He stood still. He could have made his way over to him. He could have stooped down, but he didn't. Oftentimes you will see Jesus telling people, you come here. You got my attention. Now you make a move and come to me. Jesus is here. And if your cry is desperate enough, he'll stop in his tracks and look directly at you and say, all right, what are you going to do now? You going to stay sitting in your seat? Are you going to stay there with your head buried? Or are you really going to make a move and, and, and get, get a hold of me and ask me for something? Because if not, Jesus will keep on walking. He's always in the business of elevating people out of their struggle. Calling them forward this is what he did with Lazarus. Lazarus was dead for four days. And he could have gone in there and grabbed his hand and said, arise. But he didn't. He said he stood at the, at the tomb. It wasn't time for him to die yet. He wasn't going anywhere near that tomb. So he stood at the gate and he said, Lazarus, come forth. He calls them out of their struggle. He calls them out of darkness. Don't get it twisted, saying of God. I'm not, I'm not stooping down to their level. When I, when I have coffee with someone or when I invite someone over to my house, I'm not stooping down to their level and saying, I, I, I condone what you're doing. What I'm doing is I'm doing what Jesus did and ate with the Pharisees and the publicans and saying, why don't you come out of that? And I'm being the bigger influence. If we can't be the bigger influence on someone, then I think we ought to pray a little longer. If we can't be the bigger influence over the darkness, the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If the light inside of you is not overtaking the darkness in someone else, then you've got to rethink the Holy Ghost that you've got. I think I might need to pray a little longer if I'm stooping down to their level. If I'm partaking in the things that they're partaking in, if I'm, if I'm going to the parties they're going to and saying that it's fun, if I'm having the conversations they're having and saying that they're fun. Young people, you can be a light to this dying world. You can be a light to your school. You can pull people out of darkness and not stoop to that level. Music, can you please come? The Bible says... And after Jesus called him, and I love the way Mark puts it, the Bible says, And he, Bartimaeus, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. This is so powerful. I'm sure we've heard it before, but that garment was significant. That garment identified who he was. That was his label, that he was a beggar. That was his identity. That was his source of income. That's how he made a living. That's, that's, that's how people recognized him. When they saw him walking, they would move out of the way or they would guide him because they recognized that man's in need. That man, that man can't make it on his own. But you know what he did? He took off his garment and he cast it aside. This was saying to Jesus and to everyone around him, I'm not going back to that. But what I love is that the healing hadn't even taken place yet. The healing hadn't even come. The provision wasn't made and he still cast his garment in faith. In faith believing that when he made his way over to Jesus, there was no question that he would be healed. 
I wonder what some of us do when, when we get into those tight moments and, and we, we hold on to these things in our past and we hold on to these things that have always gotten by. And Jesus is saying, why don't you come over here? And we bring those things with him and Jesus is saying, no. I wonder what would have happened if he brought his garment with him. I don't, I don't want to place something where the Bible is silent, but could you imagine what would have happened if he brought that garment with him? Jesus probably would have told him, take your garment off. But he beat him to the punch and said, I'm, I'm casting it aside. I'm getting healed today. I'm going to be made whole today. There are some, there are some times in life where the, where the supernatural meets the supernatural meets the physical. And the decision has to be made. Jesus was walking by him. And, and, and he heard it. Bartimaeus heard it. And it was at that moment that he had to make up in his mind. Am I going to let Jesus just walk by me? Or am I going to get his attention today? You see, it wasn't the need that Jesus responded to. There are millions of needs in this entire world. I bet if we took a poll, every one of us would have maybe three to five needs. That's thousands of needs just in here. There are needs everywhere that we are petitioning God for. But you know what? I found out a long time ago that God doesn't respond to needs. He responds to faith. God doesn't just respond to people's needs on a whim and saying, God, I need you. He responds to desperate faith in people. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus. I want to tell somebody that you may have gotten his attention. And if you haven't, he is still here. But can I tell you further that don't stop there. Don't stop with being, with being satisfied with just a touch from Jesus. Why don't you lay aside those garments in faith and make your way to him and believe that he's going to change you. Believe that he's going to turn it around for you. Jesus answered him and said, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith, thy faith hath made thee whole and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in, in the way. Can we stand all across this room this morning? I'm done preaching and I know what I feel in the spirit. There are people scattered all across this house that you've walked in here with a need. You've walked in here needing God doing something. And you know what? Let me say this. All too often we get... We get, so, we get so caught up in people noticing. We get so caught up in people and people looking at us and how we respond and how we act. Bartimaeus could care, could care less about what other people were saying. If Bartimaeus had let that happen to him where, where people were crying out or where, where people were telling him to hush, then he would have missed the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime was passing him by. Can I tell you today, I want to encourage you, don't let what everybody else is looking at or what they're doing or what they're going through stop you from getting the attention of Jesus today.
Don't let everybody else's intentions and don't let everybody else's actions and, and what they're doing and their distractions deter you from getting a miracle from God today. It can happen today. We sang about it. Something happens when I call that name. That's real. You're looking at testimonies all across this room today that when they called on the name of Jesus, there was a shift that happened in their life and they were forever changed. I'm here today to tell you that it can happen for you just as it happened for me. I'm here to tell you today that your change, your healing, your miracle can happen today just as it happened for me. Let's lift our hands in this house this morning. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, lift up your voice, saints. Lift up your voice. Jesus, move in this house. Draw us to an altar. Draw us to an altar. These altars are open this morning. If you come wanting change today, I encourage you. I beseech you to come down to this front and just like Bartimaeus, cry out to God and say, please don't pass me by. Come on, somebody say it. Please don't pass me by, Jesus. Come on, he's here right now. He's here right now. Somebody lift up your voice. Somebody lift up your hands while he is here. While Jesus is near, somebody open your mouth. Come on, it's up to you to make the move. It's up to you to make the move for change. God can do it from right here, but he wants you to make your way. He wants you to make your way down to this altar. Come on, somebody, somebody come. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They're all across this room right now. They're all across this room right now. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to be finding somebody at this altar. You ought to be, be praying for somebody at this altar. Come on, somebody, make your way down. Come on, there's a desperate cry. There's a desperate cry in this house of broken people. Come on, Jesus is able. Jesus is able right now. Strength is perfect in all of my weakness. You may be broken today. You may be needing a physician today. I'm telling you, he's here right now. I'm telling you right now, he's here. He's here. Somebody cry out to Jesus.
somebody, why don't you cry out to him? Come on, somebody, cry out to Jesus. Jesus, don't pass me by. God, don't pass me by this morning. God, I need a touch from heaven. God, I need a miracle right now. Come on, somebody, cry out. Somebody, cry out to Jesus.